Welcome to Awaken to Grace and session one of our new series called Ask Anything. These questions are listeners submitted completely anonymous, and then and then a lot of them are submitted by members of our congregation here at Preaching Christ Church. Today in session one, Pastor Chad and I get into some very interesting questions, some deep questions. So let's get started with session one of Ask Anything. Well, I'm Pastor Chad, and I want to welcome you to our conversation today as we are tackling some very difficult questions that our aim today, our goal on this episode of Awakened to Grace is to give biblical answers. Uh, Pastor Eric is joining me, Eric Davis. We're going to be tackling some pretty tough questions today, Eric. So we open the uh, questions online to... You posted like on your Facebook, it's on our website, different places. So all these questions were anonymous, but they were user submitted. And what I noticed when I started reading through a lot of the questions is that people were really interested in knowing, for example, they would say, what does the Bible say about this thing? Or what does scripture say about this thing? And what that told me is people aren't necessarily interested in just an answer that people were interested in the truth which to me shows a lot of maturity and wisdom in the part of the people asking the question because they want to know what God has to say about these things and not necessarily your opinion or my opinion or even an opinion that fits their sort of um, narrative and, you know, in their own life. Yeah. Yeah. I agree completely. And what I think we have to be careful of those who we call ourselves Christians, we are Christ followers. I think the danger for us, what I see many Christians do, is we think that if the Bible does not say something specific, if it if we cannot turn in the Bible to a certain verse that mm-hmm. says, thou shalt not do this, then we think God is silent on the matter. Right. And that's not the case. Yeah. Uh, you, we are to follow the whole counsel of the scriptures. And while there may not be specific verses that say you shall not do this or you ought to think this way, no, the general concept is going to be there. We're going to learn how to follow God through his word. And I assure you that even in our day-to-day with the many complexities and the many different mindsets and narratives and agendas and everything that we struggle with in our current culture, I assure you, Scripture speaks toward it. What we want to do is be like the Bereans. Remember the Bereans in the book of Acts, in Acts 17, 11. Eric, read that scripture for our audience, and that is going to be our goal through these conversations that we call Ask Anything. Yeah, so this is in Acts 17, verse 11, and we're reading out of the ESV. It says, Now the Berean Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. That's right. I love that phrase. They received the word. You know, in James, I think it's James 1 verse uh, 20, maybe 21. You can fact check me, Eric. The Bible says that we are to receive with meekness the engrafted word. You know, the Greek word for receive there literally means to place out a welcome mat. I love that. 
you know, as we go through these questions and we talk about really hard subjects, things like homosexuality, things like uh, marijuana and even antidepressants and things that touch our daily lives. And we're not sure as Christ followers, how do we think and how do we process and how do we feel and how do we respond? And these are very complicated issues. Well, right off the bat, I want to ask you this question. Is God's word welcomed in your life? Not cherry picked, not, (laughs) you know, I've heard it said scripture is not like a buffet where you take what you like and you leave what you don't like. No, we're to take the entire counsel of God's word, even the things that we might find offensive, that we might find troublesome, that maybe changes our worldview or changes is is a paradigm shift for us. So I want to ask you that question today. Is the welcome mat of God's word placed out in your life? Then what does he say? You receive they, they received the word eagerly. Oh, I want to be eager with God's word. Oh, I want to seek it out. I want to see it like, like precious gold and precious silver and rare jewels. Isn't that what Proverbs teaches us to do? I want to seek it. I want to be eager to receive it. And then what did they do? They searched the scriptures daily to see if these things are so. Don't take my word for it. Don't take Pastor Eric's word for it. Don't take Awakened to Grace or Preaching Christ Church. Don't take our word for everything. You do your own homework. You search the scriptures daily. And let me say a specific word to this generation. Don't search Google. (laughs) Isn't that what we're prone to do in our day? We'll search Google all day long. No, friends, that would mess you up. You search the scriptures. That's where you find truth. That's where you find answers. And that's what we're going to aim to do today. But as we set out on this course, I want to ask you first, is the welcome mat laid out in your life for the word of God? Will you receive eagerly, not what I say, what God's word says, and if I say something contrary to God's word, you better reject what I say. You better accept what God's word says. That's right. So let's do it together. Let's lay out the scriptures. Let's search the scriptures and let's receive them eagerly into our daily lives. Amen. That's great. All right. Here is uh, what we're going to consider a softball question just to get the get the ball rolling here. Uh, what my favorite flavor of ice cream is? <laughs> not Not quite that easy. Because it's vanilla. Vanilla. No, I'm, I'm I thought it was um. What would they say yesterday? Butter pecan with no pecan. I don't like pecan. <laughs> so you just like. Butter, but I love butter, butter pecan ice cream. ice cream. Yeah, I'm like a little old man. I'll I'll take butter pecan any day of the week. Love it. All right, here we go. Question one with no mix ins, just butter pecan. Anyway, go ahead. You good. You got your ice cream flavor. Here we go. <laughs> Number one, knowing the things you know now, what would you say to yourself when you initially started pastoral work? <laughs> Over 20 years into it, huh? What would I say to myself back then? You were how old were you when you started ministry? Oh, I mean, I, I know, I know, you kind of ever since you were little, you kind of always had a proclivity. So but when you really said, "I'm a minister," yeah. Let me do the. I'll try to do the 30 second version. Yep. Okay, I did my first overseas mission trip to the former communist. 
blocks of Europe when I was only 12 years old. What happened is because I went, uh, communism had only fallen like five, four years previous. So what happened was churches found out in my area that I had gone on a mission trip and spent my whole summer there in those countries. So what would happen, they would invite me to come and speak for Sunday school classes. Uh, Then it grew into youth meetings and youth revivals and youth Sundays. That's where I really began preaching on Sundays was in youth Sundays. I went again the summer I was 13. By the time that happened, I felt like the Lord had really called me to preach at 13 years old, which, you know, was intimidating and scary. But by the time, all through my teenage years, I had preached over 200 times uh, before finishing high school. And then, of course, out of high school, uh, you know, I went on into other areas of ministry, student pastoring. I planted Preaching Christ Church at 19, turning 20. And really, uh, so I was 20 years old as a pastor. Uh, had no idea what I was doing. Had a church of less than 10 people <laughs> and had no idea. I was as dumb as a box of rocks, and that's the truth. And uh, But you know what? I loved the Lord, and I was passionate about him. And, uh, you know, I, I, I did it definitely the hard way. I had to learn a lot of things the hard way. But I did that. I learned. And what I would tell... You know, as a matter of fact, this is interesting because where God has brought the church, I'm in a new season with Awakened to Grace. And the Lord asked me this question the other day. The Lord said, Chad, what would your 40-year-old self say to your 20-year-old self? And I thought about it in terms of Awakened and the church. And I said, my 40-year-old self would tell my 20-year-old self, slow down, enjoy the journey, God's going to give you everything you need. Every heart and every hand and every volunteer and every ministry leader and every dime of every dollar that you'll need, everything you need, it's all going to come in time. Just slow down, enjoy the journey. And then the Holy Spirit said, okay, Chad, your 60-year-old self needs to tell your 40-year-old self the same thing with Awakened to Grace Slow down, enjoy the journey, because everything you need to do my will and my work, it's all going to come. Yeah, that's great. I, I'm going to echo the exact same thing that you said. I've, I've been in ministry here for about 12 years, and then um, I, was, I did ministry, of course, all through high school and college and things like that. So I'm knocking on you know, 16, 17 years in ministry, and I would say the same exact thing in and uh, I'd word it this way, is that ministry is not a sprint. Um, you know, when you're young, you're eager, you want to get in, get in, get going. Um, but there is tremendous value in longevity. There's tremendous value in loyalty where you are. Mm-hmm. Not, <clears throat> you know, not jumping ship outside of a church or outside of a ministry because you don't agree with one or two things. Now, there, of course, there are major issues that, that you want to agree with your church or your pastor on, but don't let the little things spoil what has been um, really wonderful and what the Lord can use to do wonderful things, not not just through you, but through the people that you lead or the people around you. So if you're, you're someone in ministry or you're someone attending the church, just know there's tremendous value in longevity. There's tremendous right. value in staying when things are hard and staying when things are difficult, because it's not always about 
the church or the ministry needing to change because sometimes it's about you needing to change. Sometimes it's about your growth and what God is teaching you through, you know, sticking through things that you don't necessarily love or are, are uncomfortable with um, because you will grow from that if you commit yourself to the Lord to, to growing through that. Um, I just, I know in my own life, um, you know, things haven't always been easy in every ministry or everything that I've always done, but I've always grown from it and I've always learned and here I am, you know, 12 years at Preaching Christ Church and the value and the longevity that I've had, I have just learned tremendous things. So I'm really grateful for that and I'm really grateful the Lord has kept me where I am. And that's one of the things that I value and appreciate so much about our leadership base is, you know, when you look when you look at the span of our leaders, they've been here a long time. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons why, one of the things we look for is that loyalty that we're not a stepping stone. You know, in my own ministry, uh, I don't see this church as, as a stepping stone to something bigger or greater or better. My whole heart is invested here. And I think we look for that in leaders, uh, probably more subconsciously than anything. Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, you know, we don't, you know, when we're evaluating someone, we're, we, you know, we don't, on a sheet of paper, say, you know, we don't ask that question. But but that's one thing that's really important to us is, um, you know, we're not going to be just simply a stepping stone. If somebody has that kind of mentality, uh, they're probably not going to fit in well mm-hmm. with our yeah. structure and our culture. Yeah, good. All righty. Question two. <clears throat> if you are truly saved, are you always saved? Or can you send your way out of heaven even if you are truly saved? Now, that's a question right there. That's a good question. Can someone send their way out of heaven? Can someone, uh, can someone, uh, I guess, uh, fall from grace? Some, some say it. Um, as Paul said it, I think, in the book of Galatians, some have fallen from grace. I don't see that as they have lost their salvation. I think when Paul says that they have fallen from grace— which is a term that those who believe you can lose your salvation, they'll, they'll use that term. I think what Paul meant from that is you've turned from grace to a works mentality, and that's what he means by you've fallen out of grace. Um, I don't think it means that you lose your salvation. Um, I, so, I, you know, I wrestled with this for many years in my own personal life because if you are a student of God's Word, you can see many scriptures that teach that you are eternally saved no matter what sin happens in your life. And then you can find other scriptures that says, hey, if you do this, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. So which is it? I can see both very clearly in the scriptures. So again, I think this is, as Christians, our, our spiritual discipline is not to cherry pick a few scriptures. It is to take the entirety of God's word, the whole counsel And, you know, the best way to interpret Scripture is in light of other Scriptures, not isolating Scriptures. That's where you get in trouble, is when you isolate certain Scriptures, like the one I just referenced in Galatians, falling from grace. So I think the entirety of God's Word teaches that when someone is born again, that is an eternal work. Here's the way that I see it in my own life. If there is nothing that I can do to initiate my salvation, because God is the author, that means he initiates it, and the finisher, the perfecter of my salvation, that means he completes it. 
then if there's nothing I can do to gain it, there's also not anything I can do to lose it because Christ paid for my sin. Now, Paul addresses this, and he says in Romans, does that mean we have a license to sin? No, he says, God forbid. Romans 5, Romans 6. God forbid that uh, we go on sinning because there's grace in our life. No, when you've really tasted of grace, oh, you're not going to want to sin. You're going to want to be near the Father's heart. So, you know, the way that I look at it, here's, here's how I handle these things pastorally. If someone comes to me and they say, Pastor Chad, I, I committed adultery. Are they going to go to hell because they committed adultery? So scripture says adulterers will not enter the kingdom. So does that bar them from he- Have they sinned their way out of heaven? My answer would be, okay, have you repented of that sin? And the person says, yes, I repented. Okay, then it's under the blood of Jesus. Uh, if we sin, John, 1 John 1, 9, and if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. However, the Bible also teaches in 1 John that those who do not know God are those who practice sin. The, the word there for practice means habitually. So, say someone comes to me and says, Pastor Chad, I am committing adultery. Okay, have you repented of this? No, I'm in adultery. I'm going to continue in it. I'm going to keep the No, then my friend, you are an adulterer. That is your lifestyle. Will that person go to heaven? Oh, according to the scriptures, according to the scriptures, adulterers will not enter. Now, you remember in Corinthians when Paul says some of you idolaters, adulterers, fornicators, and, you know, sexually immoral, and all these sins, you, you were liars, you were thieves. All, but then he says, but such were some of you. What's the point? You've been made a new creation. Old things pass away. Everything becomes new. Yes, there's grace. Yes, there's redemption. Yes, there's forgiveness. Yes, there's mercy. But friends, if you embrace a sinful lifestyle, I would question, have you authentically been born again? I had a man tell me one time, I was counseling he and his wife. He had left his wife and children, was living with another woman, and tried to tell me he was born again, and the woman he was sleeping with was born again. Mm. Well, Well, you need to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling because it doesn't hold water to the scriptures. Uh, I don't think that it is God's will for Christians to live in fear that any slip-up they make, they're going to lose their salvation. No, 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 no. Uh, again, we have an advocate with the Father <laughs> who is Jesus. Uh, according to First John, Hebrews says he ever lives to make intercession for us. Uh, the point is you are always going to need forgiveness. I am always going to be in need of forgiveness. So the point, I think, of our salvation, it's not will you mess up because, my friend, you will, but there's grace and there's forgiveness for that. The question for me, pastorally, biblically, and even in my personal life, am I habitually, am I practicing sin 
to where I'm not in repentance, I'm not sensitive to the Lord, and I'm doing whatever I want. Well, well, then uh, I, I would I would question, I would be worried concerning that. But now remember, Paul said concerning a brother in the scriptures, he said, "I'm praying that God will destroy his flesh, that his spirit might be saved." So, can you can you lose your salvation? No, I don't think so. I, I, my answer to that biblically is no. Um, can someone send their way out of heaven? Uh, you know, I would question, have they ever authentically been born again? Because if that's the case, you are going to reject a lifestyle of uh, sin, and you're going to embrace, um, you know, following Jesus. Yeah, great. One way that I like to think about it is I approach my faith and I'm not trying to keep myself out of hell. I'm trying to honor God with my life. That's right. And there's a very big difference. And, I, and Ephesians 4.13 is just a, it's a verse that I really apply to my life. It says, until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, there you go. to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So that's it mentions nothing about we're working to stay out of hell. It's we are working to mature Mm-hmm. and to grow into the measure of the stature and That's the fullness right. of Christ. We say it all the time. Salvation is not the finish line. It's just the beginning. Yeah. The rest is spiritual maturity. Great. All right. The next question we have here is, is there a difference between being spirit-filled and being saved? And I kind of, I'm extrapolating a little bit, but let's ask it this way. Is there a difference between being baptized in the Holy Spirit and salvation? Well, you know, I'm really sensitive to questions like this because um, I grew up in a church culture that uh, would have rejected uh, the idea of a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm very sensitive to Christians who have a confusion toward this because I was confused about it for a very long time. I was too. And so, uh, you know, being being the type of church that we are, Preaching Christ Church is a non-denominational church. And what that means is we are not a cookie cutter. Uh, we follow a certain denominational guideline. Uh, no, we follow the scriptures. We don't throw stones at churches that are denominational churches. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But when we planted PCC, uh, you know, I felt the Lord say, be a New Testament church. <laughs> if you can be a New Testament church and not be a label, uh, you'll do well. And, that, and that's, you know, it's just the way that God called us. But, you know, fast forward 20 plus years, you know, today we have everything in our church. We've got We've got, you know, many Baptists, and uh, uh, we've got Lutherans, we've got United Methodists, we've got Presbyterians, we've got Charismatics, uh, you know, we got tons that we are their first church experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. They don't know what they are, because yep. they, you know, they've never been part of another really, type of church. It really is a beautiful blend, too, because not only not only do we have all of those different sort of theological backgrounds, but we also have a vast age range mm-hmm. of people in our church too. And it really blends really well because I think going back to what you said is we are a Bible believing church. We are a scripture based church where right. we would consider ourselves an Acts church. That's right. And and we just blend that beautifully and people love it. So I think the danger though, when you get 
when you when you get you know a large body of believers together like that, then what happens is people approach subjects. So so here's a great example. Uh, we do a weekly prayer meeting. Now it's not a church service. It's not a worship service. It's not a teaching time. Uh, we'll have elements of that from time to time, but uh, you know the lion's share of it is it's all prayer. So what people will do is people will go back in their memory bank and they'll go, oh, I know what prayer is. Well, do you? <laughs> do you know what biblical prayer looks like? Because what we saw growing up or what we experienced in another church setting or another church culture or climate may not necessarily be biblical. And the worst that I feel that we as Christians do when it comes to areas like this is the Holy Spirit. So what we'll do is we'll immediately say, I either know what that is or I think I know what that is because I've seen it here. Well, is what you saw biblical? Is what you experienced biblical? <laughs> Does that make sense? That's the danger that I, that I feel like. So what I had to do in my own personal life, I had to say, I'm not looking at how I grew up. I'm not looking at the people that I've met or the people that I know or what I've seen on TV or any craziness like that. I'm not looking at those things. I want to know what does the Bible say? So this is, uh, I think the Bible teaches every single believer, every person that's been born again, they've repented of their sins, they've confessed, they've received the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single believer has the Holy Spirit indwelling them. Every believer. They all have the Holy Spirit. Is there a separate experience called the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I believe there is. Now, is it necessary for salvation? Absolutely not. If you have been born again, friends, you have the precious Holy Spirit inside you. Now, my question that I came to in my life is, does the Holy Spirit have all of me? Have I surrendered myself in such a way that I have been baptized? What did Paul mean by baptism of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts? Um, one, one word picture of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they would dye garments. They would, they would saturate them and dye that's one, that's one meaning of the baptism. Have I, am I saturated in the Holy Spirit? My thinking, my emotions, the way I process, the way I feel, the way I make decisions, am I saturated? Am I, am I stained with the Holy Spirit? So for me, it's not an issue of tongues. It's not an issue of sensationalism. I really reject sensationalism. I'm not attracted at all to sensationalism. Matter of fact, I'm repelled by it. It's not emotions, although there are emotions to the Christian walk. I don't reject emotions. I reject being led by emotions. We may have a Sunday morning service where you know the Holy Spirit falls in an unusual way and there's and there's intercessions and weeping and mourning. Gosh, you know, I was, I was sitting on the platform uh, not long ago, and I had invited people to come forward for prayer for the prodigals in their lives. And, and there was a woman who went up on the platform to pray, and she had knelt down, and I could hear her behind me. And I've never heard such weeping. I've never heard nothing like that. 
It was a brokenness. It was an emotion that I know touched the heart of God. Are there emotions? Oh, yes. Joy. <laughs> Sadness. Uh, you know, weeping. Uh, humility. Oh, yes. There's, uh, there's many emotions, but we're not to be led by them. On the same token, the very next Sunday, it may feel as dry as all get out. But that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit didn't move. That doesn't mean that people weren't transformed. It doesn't mean that they didn't receive the Word of God. My, my, the pastor I grew up under would often say, it's hard to sow seed when the wind's blowing. <laughs> you need those times yeah. that it's quiet and it's still. The Bible says, uh, you know, be still. Know that I'm God. So, again, I'm not against emotion. I just am against being led by it. And many people who, you know, are strong about a baptism of the Holy Spirit, they can be led by emotions. We're not to do that. But you got the other side of the ditch who go, well, there is no baptism of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I learned in the two years. We spent two years studying the book of Acts, and this was one of my greatest takeaways. The Holy Spirit is to be experienced. He is to be experienced. I want the Holy Spirit to baptize me with fire, with fire. I want my thinking baptized. I want my affections baptized. I want my will to be baptized. I want to be immersed in the Holy Spirit. So for me, it's not a question of sensationalism, although there are many uh, emotions to the Christian walk. I, I experience them. I, I, I certainly I experience them. I'm just not guided or directed by them. One last thing that I'll say about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I love what D.L. Moody said back in the 1800s. <laughs> this is, you know, D.L. was a, a tremendous pastor in Chicago. He would say, uh, I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day. Every day I need his filling. You know why? He said, because we leak. <laughs> Don't we leak? <laughs> you know? So, yes, I, I want the Holy Spirit to to baptize me i want him to fill me but that does not mean that i lack the holy spirit no 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 every born again believer you have the holy spirit just give yourself more so to the holy spirit and i think that's what it means to be baptized in him have you visited my online store where you can find books music sermon series and so much more I hope you'll go there today, awakentograce.com slash store, and keep checking back because our resources that are designed for spiritual growth are always growing. Awakentograce.com slash store.